Appreciate you again being here this morning. I hope you have a Bible, something that you can turn on or something that you can preferably open up and that you'll join me in Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. And also when you came in, if you got a copy of this bulletin, um, on the back of that there'll be some notes that'll help guide our time through the Word this morning. So Exodus chapter 5 is where we're going to be at today. We are in a series of lessons from the book of Exodus. And so what we have tried to do throughout this time is to look at um, the application and the sufficiency of an Old Testament book like Exodus to our times today. And so what I have tried to point out and highlight as we've gone through the first four chapters is how Exodus shows us how God sets apart His chosen people and what comes as part of being set apart and things that we should expect as being set apart as God's people. We are not in a, what they sometimes will hear people talk about, the replacement theology. We are not the new nation of Israel. Rather, we are Gentile believers grafted in, this is Romans language, we are grafted into the kingdom of God. And yet God has chosen us through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the drawing of the Spirit to be part of His heavenly family. So one of those things that is involved is the big $10 word called sanctification. And what does sanctification look like? And once you become a believer in Jesus Christ, now there's this expectation and there is this practice of growing in your faith and becoming sanctified more so day by day. Day. So I have put this in front of us to remind us that there are things that we can learn being set apart from the people of Israel. So as we started in Exodus chapter 1, we looked at this idea that the people came to the end of themselves and they began to cry out for help. When they began to cry out for help, God then started his rescue plan. And how that rescue plan came about, as we have seen, is that Moses was born and then Moses was brought up and prepared. We saw the last couple weeks how Moses was then called through that burning bush and then he was prepared and equipped and, and, and strengthened to what he had to do. And then we ended off last week in chapter 4 and verse 30 and 31. And the Bible says, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they'd heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. So when you end right there in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 31, you think, oh, this is going to be a great story. Oh, this is so awesome. They hear that Moses has been sent. Aaron is going to assist Moses. God has now revealed this is what he's going to do to redeem and rescue his people. Oh, this is a great, this is a great day. Until the time comes to put the plan into action. This is where I think that it is relevant to you and I today. Because sometimes you will find yourselves in a different season of life where you come to a moment, whether it's at a retreat or whether it's at a summer camp, and you find yourself in just a sweet spot when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. And you think to yourself, well, I'm going to go home, and I'm, this is going to be different. I'm not going to do this. I am going to do that. I'm going to get this straightened out. I'm going to get this lined out of my life. And you come home on this bit of a spiritual high. And then it comes time to put that plan into action. And you're like, eek. Some of you students this summer, you're going to go to camp. And, and our prayer as a church is that the Lord meets you mightily at camp. But that's not the end of it. 
That's just the beginning of it because now you got to come back and the very next week then put that into action. Some of us other adults in this room, we have come to the point, whether it's through preaching or teaching or revival or something else, maybe it's a New Year's resolution, we come to the point and say, you know what, I know that God is speaking to me to not do this and to do this, stop doing that and start doing this. He's made a, a very clear in my life there is supposed to be a change in my course of direction, but then the hardest thing is to begin to take that step. So when we start in Exodus chapter 5, we end it on a high note in Exodus 4 and 31 where the people are all excited. Moses and Aaron, they're like, yes, that's a win. All right, here we go. And now it starts to pursue, or now it starts to put the plan into action. And what I want us to see together this morning is that so many times from hearing the word of God or knowing what God is leading us to do to us putting into plan and practice what God is leading us to do, there's often a middle ground called trouble. And the question we're going to end at this morning is, where do we turn when trouble comes? Because I don't think it's a matter of if trouble is going to come. I think it's a matter of when trouble is going to come. And the question for us, whether you are 5 years old, 15 years old, 50 years old, or even older than that, the question is, is when these seasons come, and they do, where are we going to turn when trouble comes. Now, I've put there in your notes, we're going to try, we're not we're going to try, we are, we, even if it takes us till 3 o'clock, we are going to cover this entire chapter. Now, you may say, well, why would we try to cover the entire chapter in one morning? Well, the problem is, is that there is one main thought that I want you to see that is held within all of these 23 verses. And if we try to break it out, some of you may not be here next Sunday, some of you may have the sniffles, or some of you may have something else going on. And I want us to all get the one thought at the one time. And the question is, is where do we turn when trouble comes? Now, I've divided this up. You'll see there in your notes, I divided this up in four different signs, if you will. Signs that we know that trouble is coming. The Bible tells us that we will face trouble in this Christian life. We understand, if you look historically, that Christians have faced trouble in their life. And you can look around, you can turn on the news, and you can see that there are troubles all around us. But is it something that we can see coming? My aim this morning is to show you that we can see trouble before we face trouble. So we can be ready when the trouble comes. So, let us begin in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. So they ended off, Aaron gave the message that Moses had gotten from God to the people. The people rejoiced. The people are all excited. Everybody's like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's go. Let's go get them. And it says in verse 1, afterward... Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And you think, oh, can you just imagine that? Here comes Moses and Aaron. They come into the presence of Pharaoh and say, You know what? We got a message. Thus says God, let us go. Verse 2. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, moreover I will not let Israel go. 
Then they said, the God of the Hebrews, he has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. There's the first sign of trouble that I want you to see here in these first three verses of the chapter. And the first sign that I want you to see with me is when authority is challenged. When authority is challenged. Now, if we just kind of take a step back and consider what is going on in this picture. You have Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the leader of the most dominant, most prominent, most powerful government in all the face of the world during this time of existence. He is the most prominent figure in the government. And in that culture, they treated him as a deity. He was a god. Whatever he said was true. And everything that he said came about. He was the ultimate person over all the face of the earth. So you can just imagine when you got Moses and you got Aaron, these two older gentlemen, both in their 80s, they come into Pharaoh and they look at Pharaoh and say, you know what, Pharaoh, we know that you think you're in charge and that everybody else in the Egyptian government thinks you're in charge. But guess what, Pharaoh, there is a God that is above you and he says, let all these people go. What is happening? They're challenging the authority of Pharaoh. When you challenge the authority in this world, you are going to meet resistance. You are going to have problems. If you decided, you know what, it's a Friday night, I'm feeling a little bit frisky, I think I'm going to take off down there, out there in the Swafford's bottom, and I'm just going to do as fast as my vehicle go, and all the way through town, and all the way up through the Bevs. What are you doing? You're ignoring authority. Trouble will come. And it's even more pronounced when we go to the world around us and says, this is what God's word says, so this is what we should do. You notice they're not just going to Pharaoh and saying, Pharaoh, this is what God's word is for us. They're going to Pharaoh and saying, this is what God's word is for all of us. And when you're willing to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, to a lost, fallen, broken society, you will face trouble. Now notice what they're doing. What they're doing when they're coming to Pharaoh is they're not just saying, this is what we think. They're saying, thus saith the Lord. And I want you to understand that God's message is not man's message. So many times we can get tempted to come in and say, well, I think or I feel or this is my opinion or this is my ideas. And brothers and sisters, those might be true and those might have their own merit. But what do we have an opportunity to do as God's people is to say, this is what God's word says. And when we stand up and say, this is what God's word says, we need to understand that we will face opposition and we will face trouble. That's why I've put in your notes that we need to be reminded that believers have been given a message by God. What is that message? It is called the gospel. It is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what does the gospel mean? It means that all of us were sinners separated from God by our sin. And God knew that we could not earn salvation by ourselves, that we could not be good enough to go to heaven by ourselves. And in his grace and in his mercy and in his love for us, he sent Jesus, his only begotten son, to come to this world to live a sinless life that we could not live 
And then to pay the price for our sin that we deserve by dying on a cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose on the third day, making it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins and saved. It's the gospel message when you look at people that are helpless and hopeless and headed for hell. And you are able to tell them, Jesus loves them. We have a message. problem is many of us will never speak that message because we're not willing to face the trouble that comes when we challenge the authorities around us. And so sometimes we can think, well, you know what, I, I, I don't have to be provocative. I don't have to be controversial. I don't have to pursue after conflict. My concern is there is a day coming that either you're going to be truthful and stand for God's word and face the wrath that comes, or you're going to be a coward, and you're just going to go with whichever way the wind carries you. When authority is challenged, trouble comes. And here in this text, you have Moses and Aaron, and they're going to Pharaoh. And you can just imagine chapter 4 and verse 31. Everybody was excited, and now they got to go tell Pharaoh, oh, Pharaoh, let's just kind of let you in on what God's doing. God says, let these people go. And Pharaoh's like, I don't know who this God is, and I can tell you that I don't like any God that tries to take and challenge me for my authority. And now they're in a situation that they're going to face trouble because of standing up where God told them to do. So what does it say? Verse 4. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of all the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that you made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So... The taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. And the taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmaster had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? So the second sign that we know when we are going to receive trouble is when we challenge authority or when authority is challenged. That's the first sign. The second sign is when trouble is dispensed. Now you might think, well, that's kind of obvious, Spence. Of course, they're having problems. But think about how the problems come. Pharaoh's upset. Moses and Aaron come in and say, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, here, I understand what's going on here. You have too much time to sit around and think about ideas, to think about what you want to do, to think about what would be cool. You have too much time to think about your vacations and your plans and what you're going to do on the weekend. You have too much time to focus on God and to think about what God wants you to do and to think about what Yahweh is leading you to do. You have too much time. So I know what I will do. I will make your life harder by giving you more task and less 
time. And that's what's happening in the text. They gave him more task and less time. You see, in that setting, what we understand is that they had to make these bricks. And these bricks were usually some form of clay and some other kind of composite, some liquid, and the straw. The straw was the binding agent. I think of today, when I think about it, you have the Portland cement. And you put that with the gravel and the sand and the water, and that is what makes your mortar or your concrete. In that time, they didn't have Portland cement, and so they used straw to be that binding agent. <coughs> And so that straw was given so they could make sure and meet their quota of so many bricks per day for the building that Pharaoh had assigned them. So Pharaoh says, I know what I'll do. Instead of the government providing you the straw, you have to go find your own straw. And you can see from the text, it turned everything upside down. Not only were their tasks increased, but now their time was diminished because they were worrying around trying to get all this stuff accomplished. You know, one of the means of the opposition and Satan and the powers that are against the kingdom of God is they will leverage our task and our time against us. I remember hearing a preacher a long time ago said that the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And how many of us can relate to this idea that when we face trouble and when we decide we're going to do what God wants us to do, we start getting busy. And we start to think, oh, this is a coincidence. We start to think, oh, well, this is just, this is just a luck. This is just chance. But do you not understand that pace and stress keep us in a constant state of being behind? And that's why it's easy to miss a day of your Bible reading. That's why it's easy to be so busy on a Saturday that you're just worn out on Sunday. That's why it's so easy. To get behind in your spiritual disciplines. That's why it's so easy to get distracted. And sometimes we start to think, oh, well, you know what? No one else is going through this. Every single one of us in this room, every single one of us in this room face challenges, face distractions. And so I put there in your note that we have this trouble that is dispensed. And many times, not only is it done in this setting and in this story with reducing, with withdrawing and reducing the straw, but you understand that these trials often attempt to distract us from what we should be doing. So when we decide that we're going to challenge authority and we're going to look at this world and going to say, I know that that TV show is popular, but that TV show is an offense to God and I'm not going to watch it. And you challenge the authority. And then what happens is, is trouble is dispensed. Next thing you know, you find yourself busier. You find yourself with less time. And all of that is meant to do is to distract us from what we should be doing. Right now, we are inundated as a society. We are inundated as a people with all sorts of different messaging, all sorts of different expectations being pulled in so many thousands different directions. Once upon a time, you had three main sports in school and two main extracurricular activities. And now that has multiplied by a multiple... Hundredfold. You have all kinds of things to do. And if you're a student in school, you can be doing something every single day. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And it's met on purpose to be a distraction. And as adults, you got that little screen that's in your pocket. Ding-a-ling, doodle-a-loo, pay attention to me, look at me, watch me. And then you get on there and you find yourself going through and then you're like, 
I spend a lot of time on this thing. Oh, man. Yeah, it's designed like that. It's visual cocaine. It's designed to get you hooked in and to get you where you are just like drawn into this thing. And we're getting to the point as a society that we're being conditioned to comply. Because if we don't comply or if we don't conform to what our society is saying we should do, we're going to be canceled. And you're being told that either you're going to concede or you're going to be condemned. And there's this trouble that is being dispensed. And so if I don't buy in to all of these identity issues that are going around, if I don't buy in to all of these ideas of what it means to be healthy and what health looks like and all of this stuff, we we don't buy in. If you do not comply, you will be canceled. And if you do not concede, you will be condemned. And all of these things are being dispensed out as problems, and it's not accidental. It is meant to get you and I off the path that God has for us. So if you look here in the text, when Moses and Aaron come in and they say, this is what God told us to do, Pharaoh said, I know what I'll do. Instead of arguing about God's authority or God's position, I'll just make you so busy, you got no time to think about God. So what happens? Verse 15. Then the foreman, the people of Israel, came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, this is Pharaoh speaking, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. And the foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. And have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So the first sign of trouble is when we question authority based upon the God's word. The second sign of trouble is when the trouble is dispensed into our lives to get us distracted and off of the pursuit of what God has given us to do. The third sign of trouble that I want you to see goes back to verse 15. And that is when we seek relief. Put there in your notes, when relief is requested. I think it's telling to think about in verse 15, who do the Hebrews go It says there in the text, in the foreman of the people of Israel, the ones that were being beat, if you look up there in verse 14, these are the people, they are being beaten by the taskmasters that Pharaoh had sent over them. These foremen who are being beaten because the people under their charge were not making the bricks. I guess when they got enough energy and enough strength and healed up enough and they decide to go, where do they go? They go to the very person that was telling them to beat them. And they go and they seek help and they seek hope and they seek comfort and relief from the very people that were enslaving them. Oh, I, I, I. And I'm thinking about the world that we're in. We're in this cycle 
We're in this cycle in this world that is seeking to constantly enslave us of this cycle of hope, seek help, be disappointed, go back to hope. Seek help, be disappointed, go back. And we're in this cycle of life. And yet, who are we constantly going to? We're going to the very people that are keeping us in this cycle. So where do they go? They go in verse 15, they go to Pharaoh. And they cry out to Pharaoh. They cry out to Pharaoh for relief. Why? Because they said, oh, well, Pharaoh can grant us relief. They did not understand and they did not acknowledge that they were more concerned with their circumstance and their condition. It didn't matter if Pharaoh said, fine, I'll give you straw. They're still slaves. They're still in bondage. They're still in the same spot they were in Exodus chapter 1, crying out to the Lord for relief. See, so many, so many times our trouble tempts us to compromise. Because we don't want to turn to God and we don't want to submit ourselves to God and we don't want to trust that maybe the trouble that we're in, God is using for our good and to prepare us for the life he has for us. We don't want to come and say, God, we're going to trust in you, that you, you are a hope and you are a help. No, what we want to do is we want to go to this world and say, you give me an answer, you give me a solution, you tell me what I should do. And that's why we go to the bookstores and we just wreck the stores, that wreck the shelves of the self-help books. Because we think that another person who is just as broken and messed up as we are has the answer for how we can solve ourselves. Or we go to the drugstore and we think that whatever the problem is, the solution is in a bottle. Or we go to the honky-tonk and we think that the solution is going to be found at the bottom of a bottle. Or we go to the store and we pull out our purse or our wallet and we think that the solution will be found in new shiny objects. Or we get online and we think that the solution is going to be found in followers and retweets and reposts and an audience. So we have these young people that are growing up and you say, what do you want to do with your life? I want to be a social media influencer. A couple generations ago, they would have had no way to describe what that meant. But now you can actually make a living. You can actually make a living doing that. I was reading a story about a former NFL football player that quit the NFL because he was making more money buying and selling Pokemon cards than he was playing in the league. If that is not an indictment in our culture, but it's this idea, this idea that so many times we think, I am going to find relief from this world. I am going to get help and hope from this world. I am going to find the answer in the world around me. And so they came in verse 15, chapter 4 and verse 31. They were all worried about what God had to say. Now in verse 15, they're going back to the very same people that were bringing them oppression and bondage and trouble. And they go back. And they say, help. I find it striking in this passage in verse 15 all the way down through verse 20, 21. That they never turn to God. And I submit to you this morning that your faith follows your focus. 
when the trouble comes and when the trials come and when the hardships come and when the diagnosis comes and when the opposition comes and when the, the sorrow comes and when, when the grief comes and when that stuff comes is, is where you turn. It is what you are focused on that will indicate what your faith is in. And what do they do in verse 15 down through verse 21? They turn to Pharaoh. God had already said, I will deliver you. God had already said that I was going to use Moses and Aaron to deliver you. God had already showed them the signs. God had already done all these things. And yet when trouble came, they requested relief from a different source. And that brings us down to verse 22. So the first thing is authority challenge. The second one is trouble dispense. The third sign is that when we request relief from somewhere other than God, we know that we're going to have problems because we're not going to get any hope and we're not going to get any solutions. So notice in verse 22. Then Moses. Moses turned to the Lord. The fourth sign of trouble that I want you to see with me out of this text is when authority is acknowledged. You say, well, why is that a source of trouble? Because many times the only time we'll turn to God is when we're in trouble. Sometimes God's our last resort. Sometimes God's, God's the last one that we will actually turn to. We've, we've exhausted every other option. We've exhausted every other idea. We've gone in every other direction. And then finally we get to the end of ourselves. We say, well, maybe God has something for us. And so we take our Bibles. Some of you may do this. Some of you may not. We'll take our Bibles and we're like, God, I need help. God, I need help. So give me the help here. And, and that's how we treat it. And sometimes we need to understand that when it gets to the point that we are finally acknowledging the authority of God, we are in trouble. Because instead of starting with the authority of God, we're ending with the authority of God. But notice what Moses does. Notice what Moses does. I think this is a great, I think this is a great help for us this morning. It says that Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Now that's where we're going to stop at this morning, and you can go on in chapter 6, and you can see how God responds to Moses. But I just want you to think, just sit here on a moment, and think about what Moses is doing to God. What is he doing to God? Here in the text that I'm looking at, I see the punctuation twice. It's a question mark. It's a question mark. So what Moses is doing is Moses is coming to God and saying, God, help, I don't understand. You see, sometimes in this world we think that we're, it's always sinful to question God. I want you to know this morning that there's not a single one of us in this room that has all the answers. And there's not a single preacher living alive that has all the answers. And there's not a single book that you're going to be able to find apart from the Bible that has all the answers. And so when we come to the point that we don't understand or we don't get it, there's nothing wrong with us saying, God, help us understand. And just because you're asking questions, just because you don't understand, doesn't mean that you're in sin. We should be asking questions. So what we will do so many times in this life is because we think that it's sinful to ask questions is we just don't ask questions and we just isolate ourselves and we just draw ourselves back and that's why we have so many chronological seniors that are infants in the faith. Because they never ask questions. And they never sought answers from God. And they never looked for a way to grow in their faith and in their understanding before the Lord. 
Moses is sitting here in this passage. You need just imagine Moses. Moses is watching. Moses is watching the, the people of the Israel be beaten. He's watching them go to the Lord. He's watching the straw be removed. He's watching the way that Pharaoh responds. And you can just imagine that Moses is going, I don't understand this. God, you didn't tell me about this in Exodus 3. You didn't tell me about this in Exodus 4. You didn't tell me that this was going to happen. And yet, even in the midst of Moses' problems and trouble. Where does Moses go? He goes to God. I put there in your notes, trouble reveals faith. Because I believe based upon the text of Scripture, you're going to face trouble. You're going to face trouble if you stand up for the things of God. We as a church... If we choose to take a stand with Scripture and to align ourselves with Scripture and to say we will submit ourselves to Scripture more than we will submit ourselves to popular secularism or popular ideals around us or even the liberal shifts that are coming all around us. If we say we are going to anchor ourselves to the Word of God, trouble will come. Division will come. Infighting will come. We won't be as popular as the other church down the street. We might even see some numbers dwindle because we won't powder their behinds and tickle their ears. We might even see some questions that arise. It reveals our faith. It reveals who we are trusting in. You see, so many times when we face trouble, some of us turn to someone else. Some of us turn to our experience. Some of us turn to ourselves but seldom we turn to God. So here in this passage, they decide to say, thus saith the Lord. And when they decided to take a stand and challenge the authority in the day, trouble came. And one group of the Hebrews turned to the world. But Moses turned to God. Which comes back to where I said we were going to end up. Where do you turn when trouble comes? So how do we take this in light of the core values that we've adopted as a church? Build families, teach the Bible, be the church. Well, how can we apply Exodus chapter 5 in our setting today? Three ideas. Model faith in the home. Model faith in the home. Well, Spence, I do model faith in the home. In fact, you know, we've got the plaques up on the wall that has the scripture verses on there. Oh, yeah, we, Spence, we do model in home. I mean, my Bible sits on the coffee table all week long unopened. It, 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 they know that I'm, that I'm a Christian. Or you can model faith in the home in the way you respond to problems, the way you deal with circumstances. When your kids wake up in the morning, what is the first thing they see you doing? We can model faith in the home to show them who has the authority in the home. Not just model faith in the home, but teach people to trust God. I, I am continually amazed at how many people look at me with a fuzzy face when I tell them that the Bible is sufficient for life. See, they look at me and they'll say, well, Spence, we understand the Bible is sufficient for telling us how to be saved. But the Bible is not sufficient for telling us how to live. And I look at you and I say, no, 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 no. See, 
you're missing half of it. The Bible is not only sufficient for telling us how to be saved, but the Bible is also sufficient for telling us how to live. You see, the questions that I have in life are found in God's Word. The the questions that, that come up, the struggles that come up, the stress, the anxiety, the fears that come up, the conflict that comes up, the decisions that come up, they're, they're found in God's Word. Well, they, they, God's Word doesn't have every answer to your life. Well, give me a question that God's Word doesn't answer. Well, 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 well I, I, it is taught to teach people to trust God. We have no problems trusting some person on television with a bunch of letters after his name. You have no problems trusting what the TV says or what the internet says. You have no problem trusting what Facebook says. And yet when it comes to what God says, we all show a skeptical eye and say, well, I don't know. We've got to teach people to trust God. Then what does it come when it comes to the life of the church? To submit to God's authority. To submit to God's authority. This is how we set ourselves apart as the people of God as we submit ourselves to God's authority. That means that it doesn't matter where we are at in service to the kingdom of God, every single one of us are under the submission to God's authority. And where do we see God's authority most revealed in our lives? It's in His Word. Which is why every single one of us in this room has the opportunity at any time to come up and say, this is what the Bible says, this is what we should do. Because we submit ourselves to God's authority. The problem is, is that when the troubles come and the challenges come and all of these things start to land upon us wave after wave after wave, we find ourselves being distracted and we find ourselves being conflicted and we find ourselves being pulled. And we come back to the question, where do we turn when trouble comes? I can't answer that question for you. But I can tell you that trouble will come in your life. And you can choose today to make the decisions today to be ready for when those trouble comes to turn to God. Or you can just say, I'll just figure it out when I get there. And my experience, and I know the experience of many of the others in this room, is when that time comes. It'll be too late. So it first starts with asking you the question, have you turned to God? Have you turned to God and recognized that you're a sinner and that you need to be saved? Have you come to the point that you turned to Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and save you? Have you turned to the Bible to tell you how you should live with your daily life and how you should conduct your life and how you should live in the home and in the world and in the workplace? Have you turned to God with the problems that you're facing today? Where are you going to turn when trouble comes? Will you bow your heads with me?